Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Vish Naked, and this is Bridge the Atlantic. Welcome to Bridgelantics Interviews, where we get to know the people behind and in front of the creative industries. We're your hosts, music web designer Ross Barber-Smith from Scotland, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists and musicians. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as Electric Kiwi. And I'm singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Marcin Novelli from Canada, a man who wears many hats, literally and figuratively. When I'm not releasing music under my own name, I'm producing and mixing records for other artists. Speaking of which, if you'd like to work together, just hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as my name, Marcion Novelli. We are on Patreon, and we've got lots of exciting stuff to share with you on there. Mm-hmm. You can support us from as little as a dollar per episode, and in exchange, you get some patron-only exclusives. We just recently upgraded some things over there, so uh, head on over and check it out. Yeah, perks include early access to content, shoutouts for your band or brand, as well as your chance to co-host the show alongside Ross and I. Most importantly, your support will uh, be directly allowing us to keep bringing you weekly episodes and spreading knowledge, wait for it, throughout the land. Yeah, very important that you yes. know it's throughout the land. The guys. land. We also have official BTA shirts available to purchase on our website. They look great on you. Maybe not us, but they do on you. Speak and all yourself. the proceeds go into helping us keep the lights on, the many, many lights on. So many lights, even Atlantic. though we're both so many lights. the sun. Exactly. Well, it helps keep the sun on. Yes. There's a link to them in our show notes. And if you use the coupon code BTA Rocks, you'll receive 15% off your purchase as our little way of saying obrigado. Yeah, that's right. We've upgraded that. It's 15% off now. Yeah, and we've also lastly, upgraded to the. Yeah. Lastly, lastly, I'm wrapping up recording my second full length solo album, and you can pre order it now at marcionovelli.com slash pre order. Who would have thought? You get a ton of exclusives along with an immediate free download of my recently released acoustic EP, The Reimagining Volume 1, as an added bonus. Make sure to check out my music on Spotify um, or anywhere you like to stream or download music. Simple as that. Check listen it to it all day long, baby. Enjoy. Yes, and listen to it all day long, baby. Joining us this week out of Vancouver is recording artist and author Biff Naked. Biff has had an extremely successful career as a musician with 10 studio albums and countless tours to her name. She's a celebrated and diverse artist and writer known for sliding easily between her punk roots to rock, pop, alternative and contemporary genres of music. Biff's music has been featured in TV shows such as The Tonight Show and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is where I first heard Biff. And she's been described as Princess of Punk and the Rock Goddess. An artist with an unquestionable work ethic, Biff insisted on working throughout her cancer treatment in 2008. And as a result of talking with other patients, found her passion for advocacy work and joy in speaking and lecturing. In April 2016, Biff released her memoir, I, Bifficus, love it, which documents her career and her personal struggles and triumphs. She is currently bringing her songs and stories tour to the world, combining readings from her book with acoustic performances. We're excited to chat with Biff, hear more about her story and the advice she'd offer 
to her fellow musicians. It is our honor to welcome Biff to the show. Hi. <laughs> wow. That's all I can say is wow. <laughs> wow to you. Let's get awkward right awesome. off the bat. Tell us three things about yourself that everyone should know. Everyone should know? Well, I am basically like a dog. Um, I will eat until everything's gone, period, the end. So if there's bad foods that I shouldn't eat, like, you know, all these wonderful vegan cookies or anything like that, I literally can't have them in my house, so I don't have them. Two, uh, I love gum. And I chew gum every day. I've been a gum chewer my whole life. It's very sad. I don't know why I don't have TMJ, but I talk a lot. And so that's probably why. And three, um, I think that my husband, uh, to whom I've only been married one year and three weeks, I think that he is my dead Maltese reincarnated. Somehow my little dead baby dog the body went into my husband and that's why i'm so happy all the time that is adorable and i that is and i do need to say one we're both vegan i love you for that you said vegan gum gum yes and i have tmj totally oh my dad Awful. was a dentist i'm sorry that i can't give you advice i'm not a professional <laughs> tmj is very serious well we do know some things you can give us advice on and that is the music industry. Do you see why I did that little, wow. nice little segue Very there? We nice. did not plan that. That was completely spontaneous. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Um, I'd actually like to go back to kind of the early days of your career, first of all. Um, you started your own label in 95 or thereabouts? About that, yeah, 94, yep. 95, yeah. I'd like to ask a couple of things. So was that out of necessity or by choice? And Definitely. what did starting your own label teach you? And um, how oh. have you applied those lessons to your career as a whole? So maybe that's more a three or four part question. Yeah, so maybe we start out, you know, <laughs> did you start a label by necessity? Oh, definitely. I mean, I couldn't, you know, we had made a record, a solo record after being in a couple bands. And um, the, the record company that put out my record folded within about two weeks shy of my release. And that was that. And so my manager, uh, Peter Carroll, who's still my manager today, he's been my manager almost 30 years, and my American managers, John and Marcia Zazula, basically sat me down and said, we need to start a record label with you, and you're going to put your record out on your own label. And I was horrified, of course. Uh, I was, you know... I'm one way on the stage. In my personal life, I'm completely a different person. I am uh, a little bit shy. I don't want to overstaff. I don't want to impose on it. And so to me, it was just, it just seemed so uh, conceited. I was like, I don't want to have a record label. I don't want to be that person, but I'm glad I did. Uh, and for a while, I was able to uh, sign other bands. We licensed my record first. Uh, to different companies in different countries. And I learned a lot just from doing those deals, just stuff that's business things like German double tax, like, uh, you know, the Canadian laws versus the American laws. What's the third biggest market in the world? Why? You know, and I think that today I'd probably make a good manager. I'd like to go to music management when I become an adult someday. I don't know when that'll happen. Um, and I've learned a lot. I love it. I don't uh, have any other artists on my label anymore. And nowadays, it's almost moot in a way because I was lucky enough to see uh, the onset 
uh, music downloading and the onset of sharing and, and stuff like that and watch that evolution take place. So technologically, although I shouldn't be able to speak about technology, technologically speaking, uh, it's been incredible. You know, the music industry has been a great example of growth and uh, um, amazing ability for unknown artists to be heard and discovered. I mean, you know, people always forget Justin Bieber made YouTube videos when he was a little kid. You know, and this is a talent that is like been compared to Elvis Presley, quite honestly, uh, from, you know, what he's been able to accomplish. And that started on YouTube, man. I mean, it's amazing what the Internet has done for music, uh, both good and bad ways. And uh, I think now moving forward with a record label, um, you know, it's like the Wild West. It's very, like we said earlier, it's exciting uh, to imagine what could happen. The sky is the limit. I definitely agree. I agree. And how would you, how would you say you've applied the lessons that you learned in setting your label up to your career kind of moving forward? Well, you know, I think obviously my managers were the adults in the relationship. I was kind of like a kid with three parents having three managers and they knew everything. You know, they knew about deal negotiations. They knew what licensing was in different countries. And so that's what we did. And basically, you know, on my end as a young artist, what I understood it to be was very, very factual and very simple. And it still remains. So uh, write music, put it on a disc, you know, get a manufacturer or whatever, do a licensing deal for that country, let them manufacture and distribute it for that country and physically get on a plane and go there and tour to support that product. And it always came down for me to touring to support the product wherever it was out. And so as a result, we probably did 300 shows a year for, uh, I would say 18 years until the day I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I mean, I was the healthiest person in the world. Never got a cold, never got sick on tour, little cancer here and there, but no colds ever. You know, it was the wildest thing. (laughs) (laughs) Make music, put it out, license it go wherever it's released. That's right. And tour to support it. And that's, I think, the bottom line. And that really today is the only revenue source most artists have. I mean, the Patreon accounts, the Pledge Music, all these things are really great and wonderful. But, you know, for, for a lot of artists, they don't actually work because it's, it's a competition. Ultimately, you're competing for dollars with everyone else. And the bottom line for someone like me, who started out as a touring act, the only way I'm going to be able to uh, continue my career on a on a fun and enjoyable level for me, which means a myriad of things, uh, is to tour. Uh, so I need to tour to be able to to make revenue, and I can't afford my band unless I play show to pay them, and uh, it's a cycle like that. But luckily, I, I love it, so I don't think I'll ever stop. And we absolutely love your your love for life. It's so infectious. I absolutely love it. Um, you're you're a great example of an artist um, who stands for what they believe in. I think it's been clear from the beginning. Um, and you do a lot of advocacy work and uh, speaking. Uh, someone in the public eye um, who has a platform, you know, do you think it's important that artists uh, use their voice to help spark change and awareness like you've been doing? Oh, I hope so. You know, I, I and it's not for everybody. A lot of people are private. I mean, we were talking earlier about how I didn't get a computer till 2007. That's the truth. I think that um, 
Uh, I think that now uh, with the internet, if you have a record label or a book or music you want to get out there, I just think it, it, it's so easy to do and it's important to, to insert your message, your personal ethos, your, uh, your causes, the things that you're passionate about, insert them into what you're doing and you really will reach everybody, even if they don't agree with you. Uh, I don't like confrontation, except on the stage, of course. Uh, but in my social media, I don't like confrontation. I don't swear on social. I try really hard not to swear because I see a lot of it. It's not a big deal. I swear on the stage. Hey, believe me. I swear when I drive. Trust me. But, you know, on social media, I thought that's one thing I can control, how I come across to people. And that was very important to me. And it still is. It is every single day. And so I think the things that I share, I'm really deliberate about it. And the things I don't share, I am extremely deliberate about. Uh, I don't like chiming in on the events of, uh, that I feel people are jumping on a bandwagon. I sit out of it because the saying holds true. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. And I try very hard. And it's a hard thing to do not to chime in when there's so much uh, that we can chime in about. Um, I try to be very non-judgmental when it comes to my vegan advocacy. Uh, I've never known a vegan in my circle. My family, there's not one. They love meat. They, they're nuts for it. They're bananas for it. All of my friends, my band, hey, they're bananas for all this stuff. They love milk. They love it all. They do all their stuff, wear all the things. I'm not going to sit there and, you know, come down and spend my entire day trying to educate people because I can't. All I can ever do is try and be an example. And that's it. P plain and simple, just like Gandhi. You know, and for me, being a vegan is kind of like that's my religion. And whatever they do, that's their religion. I'm not going to, like, you know, give them a hard time. I'm not into what they do, but I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to, you know, run around, you know, excluding them from my life. You know, I've just got married for the third time, which was the winner. <laughs> Thank you, God. Um, and he's wonderful. He is very good about having meatless meals. He is very good about the fact that I lied and switched his milk for rice milk for six months and didn't tell him because uh, he didn't even notice. If you buy glass bottles, they don't even notice. Uh, but he didn't get upset. And so, I mean, you know, I, I try and insert my, my stuff where I can. I love it. And I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think uh, my, my wife and I are both vegan and our two little boys are vegan. And um, so we're a little vegan family. But you know what? Um, again, it, it, it comes down to why we're vegan and, and the belief system behind that and everything. And it's I, I try not to say it's really not a religion whatsoever. I think that, that actually turns some people off. But I get what you mean by that. Um, and it's it's the same way I think we just try to just be ourselves and live by example. I do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you you are a cancer survivor, and uh, that, that's remarkable. And, you know, what was the moment like, if you wouldn't mind, if you're okay talking about, what was the moment like um, when you found this out? And I'm asked because my mother actually, uh, she, she's all good now. <laughs> she was diagnosed last year and underwent uh, chemotherapy and everything, and she's on the other end of it, you know, so... I didn't. I, I haven't experienced it directly, but I've experienced, you know, a close family member going through that, and you know, um, it was definitely life changing for her and the people around her, but especially for her. So, anyways, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit from you what that moment was like and how you pulled through that and how it's changed your life. 
Well, to be honest with you, um, cancer, and I don't know uh, if this is the same for your mom or Ross, if there's anyone you know uh, in your life that's experienced it. But for me, uh, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. Really, it was. It was, uh, I had just gotten married to my second husband at the time, two weeks prior uh, to finding a lump. And um, if I hadn't received a diagnosis of breast cancer, I never would have stopped uh, being on the crazy life I was on. I had, I, I didn't stop touring. I had been doing, like I had said, almost 300 shows a year for 18 years. There was no end in sight. And I never saw my dogs. I was never at home. I had just gotten married. And uh, so being diagnosed with breast cancer was, uh, you know, like the big reveal for me. Um, and back to being vegan, there were a lot of vegans. And at the time I was raw food vegan, which was an accident. I didn't know I was raw food vegan until somebody told me I was. Um, you know, they accused me of lying about my veganism because vegans don't get cancer. I was like, are you kidding me? You uneducated what? So, I mean, it was really revealing. It brought out the best and worst in people around me, in my fans, uh, in my family. I had a best friend that absolutely stopped calling me for two years, never picked up the phone. Uh, and you know, as a cancer patient, I felt very badly about that. Not for me, but for her, I felt like that's my fault that she didn't call because I was making her uncomfortable. And, you know, there is a lot of guilt that comes with being a patient. Uh, you are guilt. You feel guilty about burdening your family or your spouse. Um, I learned so much. How could I not start volunteering and mentoring for rookies who are newly diagnosed patients? Um, and that happened by accident when I was asked by a nurse, listen, we have a newly diagnosed lady and she's really fearful and she's a fan of yours. Can you like just come in and meet her is how it started. And at the time I was like, I mean, I was in the chemo phase that I call gross phase where I was <laughs> yellow. Uh, I was 30 pounds heavier. I was bald, uh, very self-conscious and just like, why am I not dead? Like, please, I can't believe I let, you know, it was like, ugh, I hate it. But once I went in and started talking to this girl, uh, which was my job, which is how I looked at it. I didn't look at it as anything else. I started to become uh, really hyper aware of how much I just loved life and how funny it was that I was bald and yellow. And I was like, man, like, look at my ankles, dude. Like, this is hilarious. My runners don't fit me. And we were laughing our heads off. Um, you know, both of us hooked up to these like chemo drips. And I was like, this is surreal. This is like hilarious. And uh, I'm going to enjoy every single day of this. And you know what? If, uh, if my medication makes me poop in my pants, I'm going to tell everybody about it. And I'm going to laugh my head off. Uh, so that if anybody else ever does something like that or something like that happens in their life, they're going to laugh about it because they're going to remember my story uh, the, and that I was laughing. I don't know. And it, it just seemed to bring me a lot of joy. And so I keep doing it and I can't stop. And now it extends to everything. Uh, I had heart surgery in 2012 
and um, my kidney failed. I had a kidney infarct. Long story was a stroke in my kidney. And so now it's like I do paintings for the Kidney Foundation. I'm like, wow, do you think that I'd be eligible to give somebody my other kidney? They're like, no. So stop talking. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, now I try and think of all these other ways I can, you know, I don't know, just make other people feel better, I guess, is the bottom line. And, uh, and it's really something I think that I'll probably do the rest of my life, regardless of what my professional job is. I think you're a very special person and you definitely inspire me um, just to live in the moment. And um, I mean, Ross and I do this show every week and there's always technical problems and someone, you know, things go on. And I think both of us were feeling pretty annoyed earlier today. And right now I'm just like, no. I also love how you put yourself out on the line there. And, you know, you're saying that if something embarrassing may have happened to you, you want to share it with the world. I love that because that's something that I've been thinking about lately um with mental health and that sort of thing just putting yourself out there selfish selflessly not for yourself but for the idea that there's someone else out there i know it sounds cliche but even one person that sees that and they don't feel so alone and they feel like oh wow that happened to them too okay it's cool whatever not a big deal you know i i just uh i, I respect that and uh, again that's inspiring to me Oh, I'm glad because it's true. And as a, I mean, you're in a unique position. I don't know about Ross, but I know for me, I don't have kids. Plus he took my stupid ovaries out, which is a whole other can of worms. But because you have, because you're a, a dad, I mean, that's a unique position uh, for you guys to be in as mentoring these, these small humans, you know, as they grow, that's, that's a really cool opportunity, you know, to just infect them with all your love and sociopolitical, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And, and that, stuff like that, it's, it's stupid as it sounds. It makes life really cool, uh, you know, regardless of mental health stuff. And mental health stuff is usually a hiccup for, for most people. You know, it, things in life, addictions, afflictions, these are temporary, you know, they're meant to be temporary things. So Biff, you are currently embarking on your songs and stories tour. And I think it's really interesting that you're combining two passions on tour. So that's your book and your music. That's right. Can you quickly tell us a little bit what, by what people can expect from your shows if they're heading down? Well, so the songs and stories tour we've been doing now for about a year. And uh, luckily for me, I get to perform with my husband, um, which is so fun for me, not so much for him because I tease him and I tell secrets to the audience that maybe he would wish I didn't tell. Like, you know, I think of something every day to surprise him with on stage. He loves wine, for example. And so he's drinking wine the whole show, accompanying me on acoustic guitar, and I'll read a story from the book, some of which are uh, incredibly personal and uh, some are... Uh, you know, really emotionally difficult to read. And, uh, and then we'll sing the relevant song to the story after I read it. And usually I'll try and, you know, if something is completely heavy and devastating, I will always try and put a joke after it. Of course I will. And usually he'll be, you know, the victim of that, where I'll read something and then the audience will be quiet and he'll be tuning and I'll say, you know, I'm sorry I didn't tell you I was married before you. You know, and he'll just look at me like, because of course he knows that. And of course the audience knows he knows that. But ultimately it's awkward. And then I start laughing because I can't help it. And then the audience will laugh. And it, 
you know, it's so much fun that we lose track of time. The shows are two hours long. You know, people are like, ah, stop talking. We got to go home. Um, but it's great fun and we, we just love it. And it's nice to have that and do the rock shows as well. Plus we have a new project that started, uh, this year called snake in the chain. And so that's a whole other can of worms that's happening. Plus we're making a new music record right now. So it's fun. (laughs) It's, it's fun. I'm excited for all of that. I cannot wait to see you live uh, on that tour and, and all your tours. Um, let's make some things um, fun right now. And uh, are you ready for 20 questions? I am. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Meat or veggies? Veggies. Twitter or Facebook? Twitter. Indie or major? Hmm. Indie. CD or vinyl? CD. Vancouver uh. or Toronto? Ooh, same, same. Education or experience? Experience. Yoga or yogurt? Yoga. Yeah. Studio or stage? Stage. Talent or attitude? Attitude. (laughs) Canada or Scotland? Ooh, Scottish. Metallica or Motorhead? Metallica. Okay, I can never say this right, but sure or Sennheiser? Sure. Batman or Superman? Superman. Style or substance? Hmm, style. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Ooh, hmm, Michael Jackson. That was tough. I love Michael Bolton. I love his. I love his hair. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Ooh, that's so hard. Celine. Whale or kale? Kale. Well, I hope so. Bette Midler or the Riddler? Because they rhyme. Ooh, Bette Midler. And similarly, Ross or Marcio? Oh, so hard. Same, same. Like Vancouver Trout. Same, same. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for not choosing. I'm the diplomat. Biff, we mentioned in the intro that you've released 10 albums. It's a lot. And you've embarked on many, many tours. Uh, your career has spanned over 20 years so far. Um, for artists who would like to have, uh, to, who would like to achieve the same sort of longevity you have in your career, um, what would be the single most important piece of advice you'd give them? Never stop. Just keep doing it. That's all. Don't do it for anybody else. Just never stop. Just do it. Just keep doing it. It's like uh, uh, people who want Twitter followers or all these things. They're like, sometimes I put it out there and it's almost like, you know, who's it for if nobody listens? And I always say it doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. And that's the same with performing, with recording, with writing. Just do it. Do it anyway. And uh, and never stop. (laughs) And if you could go back in time and tell yourself something that you know now that you wish you knew then, what would it be? I would have had the pizza in Glasgow. Where from? <laughs> I don't know. Outside the cat house. <laughs> no, I, I think that it's, uh, uh, it's an example of the little things. You know, the only regrets I have are never the things I did, always the things I didn't do. Wow, that's so powerful. That's very powerful. Yeah. That really sits with me. Where's the best place for people to connect with you online? I'm assuming it's Twitter. 
Probably, I would say Twitter for sure. Uh, I get a lot of private messages on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram, and usually I can't keep up, uh, so do not despair. <laughs> but Twitter seems to be like, uh, I have a bit of a routine when I wake up, I'll usually go on Twitter first. And we can say from experience, and, uh, and our booking agent, Christine, I mentioned this, that you are the loveliest person to communicate with online. She's been raving about your tweets and your emails. And, uh, ah, and I can say so nice. that certainly in our communications, it's all been very nice. So even though you may need to wait for a reply, it will definitely be worth it. Yeah, you're fucking so awesome. We're just going to say it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And as for us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, and YouTube. Don't forget to visit our website and pick up one of our shirts while you're there. Uh, we are also live on Facebook every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time when it works. or 5 p.m. UK Time when it works to answer your questions and to chat with some previous guests. So please do jump on and get involved because we'd love to see you guys over there. Yes, and as for me, I am working on my second full-length solo album and you can pre-order it at marcionovelli.com slash pre-order. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which are all my name, Marcio Novelli, and uh, you can stream my latest acoustic EP, The Reimagining Volume 1, along with all my releases on Spotify or anywhere else you like to tune into tunes. <laughs> yeah, tune into those tunes. Tune and I tunes. am working on websites for various artists at the moment. You can check out my work at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi and on Facebook, Electric Kiwi Design. This episode was brought to you by 30 Roses, a virtual assistant and consultant to musicians and other creatives, as well as Music Entrepreneur HQ and Social Surge. All links are in the show notes, so please check them out because they do what, Ross? They keep the show alive. And Beautiful. if you would like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. We've recently updated rewards, which now include sponsorship at the start of our interviews, as well as an opportunity for you to co-host an episode. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and iTunes so you don't miss any episodes and leave us a comment and let us know what you think of the show. And blah, 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 blah. The most important thing is we had Biff on the show. You were awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. It was a true honor. And uh, just and don't ever stop being you. Yeah, oh, keep being thank awesome. you. I would love to come on again. We would love that. We'd love to have you. Yay! And if you're ever in Glasgow, I'll buy you pizza. Oh, yum! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.